When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Bear, Stephen Means, your Ohio State coverage team from Cleveland.com. Thanks to you guys for listening. Strange times, strange times, but Buckeye Talk plods on. Plod. Not gallop, not sprint. Plod. We plod, but we're doing rapid fire today because the Wednesday pod is not going to be rapid fire. It's going to be Illinois preview. It's going to be what goes into upsetting the Ohio State Buckeyes. We have our tech subscribers chiming in on that. We're going to look at recent upsets, upsets in Ohio State history, not just Purdue and Iowa, but other things. Is there anything that we can grasp onto? And then as we project, like, who should you be on the lookout for later for upset watch, right? So, that's going to, you know, we're providing a valued service. So that's the Wednesday pod. So we're doing Tuesday rapid fire today. And I have some thoughts. We just need to talk, or reset a little bit with our gang. We love you guys. We just need to have a little group chat here. But first, let's dive into rapid fire. We're not doing two hours. We're doing like seven rapid fire. So let's see how that goes. Here we go from the 804. Can a college football season happen if one or more conferences, not just a team or two, but like a conference, doesn't participate this season? Use the SEC as an example. If the coronavirus continues to be out of control in the South, can we have a season without them? This is just such interesting framing because a couple months ago, we were talking about, well, would the SEC just go without everybody else? Because... The virus started in Pac-12 country, in Big Ten country, and now it certainly is much um, has much higher levels in SEC country. So, Nathan, we'll start with you. We'll try to stick to five minutes. Do you think if a whole conference said we're out, could the other conferences, the other power conferences, go forward, or would one being out lead to the other four power conferences just saying, you know what, we're out too? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly now that they've all started to – say they're not going to play non-conference games um, and, and they're, everything's going to be very inclusive. I think it's completely plausible. I'm not sure it isn't possible that if there's one conference left standing that says it can play football games and has a plan to safely pull it off, that they're not going to go ahead and try it. Even if everybody else has already canceled their season, probably not actually at that point, there'd probably be peer pressure be too high and the repercussions if things go bad 
that you would be responsible for might be too much. But I mean, realistically, they could. And I think we frame a lot of these things. Uh, we introduce too much into the conversation, the the larger, you know, the playoff format, all that stuff. And those things really don't matter that much right now. It's something that you don't even really see the 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 ADs, the school presidents, whoever, they're not really talking about that. It's finding a way to have some kind of college football games this season and, frankly, to have some kind of, some kind of college football revenue this season to keep themselves afloat and not have to make drastic changes. So I think you're going to see teams, programs, conferences go through whatever steps they can to get some kind of football played. And if that means that the SEC has to shut things down completely or the Pac-12 has to shut things down completely, but the – the Big Ten and the MAC and the Big 12 or whoever still think they can play, uh, the ACC, whatever, I, I think they're going to try to do it. Steven, what do you think? I think if you just had one conference who didn't go, I think it was plausible to be able to still do this because you can still semi, I guess, form, you can crown a champion at the end of the year. But if you're getting into more than one Power Five conference that's not playing football, how are you going to do that then? Just to you know, count it. What if you just have one conference playing? Are you can you really count a crown a national champion off of does, one conferences? But why does a champion matter in in the face of just finding some way to get some football revenue that is so essential for all of these programs to exist in the first place? I think why would that supersede it? Yeah, I think why would that supersede it? I don't know if it supersedes it, but, but if it, you're Justin Fields. If you're Justin Fields and say say the other four we're going extreme now, right? And the other four conferences bag it and you're just and the Big 10 says we're going to play a 10 game Big 10 season, but there's really no championship. Or say yes, whatever, right? There's no playoff. We're just going to play our games, we'll play as many as we can. We'll crown a Big 10 champ, but there's no national championship. Why would Justin Fields play? Why yeah. would Wyatt Davis play? Because we already see guys are sitting out bowl games when bowl games don't matter. If the whole season doesn't matter, if there's no champion at the end of it, I think that might affect how the very, very best players look at look at the idea of why am I even doing this? Well, I would agree with that. I also, like I said earlier, I think if you're having multiple conferences shut it down, then I think they're all going to probably just end up shooting, shutting it down. And certainly, I guess, even if you just got down to just the Big Ten, I mean, I think they could play, but I don't think they would, or whatever the one conference left standing is. But I think the question is – the more interesting question is if just the SEC can't play football this fall and everybody else goes ahead forward and tries to play, yes, I think that compromises whatever championship you try to come up with at the end of a season, but I don't think these other conferences would look at that as enough reason to not have a football season and not have some kind of football revenue this season. What do you think on that, Stephen? No, so let's, let's work on that. So the tech no subscriber SEC. from the 804 said do, did use the SEC as an example. So let's say it just is so bad in the South, they can't go, but the Pac-12, the Big 12, the ACC, and we're making, a, we're making some stuff up here because the ACC also happens to be in the South. But the ACC finds a way to go, Stephen, could we have a season with four power conferences and no SEC? I think so, yeah. Four, you can do it because it's still a viable way. To, yeah, you're missing for the best conference in college football, but for the most part, you can still you know, crown a champion, even if it, for the sake of saying it has an asterisk on it. But other than, yeah, yeah. If you have more than one, then it becomes a problem. But only one conference, yeah, I think you can still do it. I think and there I is think, a limit. I think there is. I mean, right? I mean, it's all this. There's no black. There's no white. It's in between. Could you go with three conferences? Could you go with two? Could you go with four? I mean, there's some middle ground in there. But I think I think probably you could go with four. And, and things have stretched so far in these conferences now 
that it's hard to imagine a situation where circumstances are shutting down the SEC and the ACC and the Big Ten isn't somehow also significantly affected because you've got a conference now that touches up into like Missouri and the ACC going all the way up into the, you know, the East Coast, uh, you know, New England kind of area. And those things are, are touching, but it doesn't affect Illinois and Iowa and Nebraska and Rutgers enough to Maryland enough to shut things down. Like, I, I don't really know that the math gets you there. I, no. I, it's hard to find. I, I, it's, it's possible, I, I suppose. I think I disagree but, with that, though, because if the SEC doesn't go, it's not because of the cases in Missouri. It's because of cases in Florida we don't know. and South Carolina. Maybe. Right, probably, right. I mean, and I guess I'm just saying, though. The worst but, right now. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, if in that scenario where you're having maybe two conferences shut down, I think once you get to two Power Five conferences shutting down, I just think you're going to see enough school presidents and pr- – frankly, probably the, the legal teams at those schools who are going to see too much um, liability to trying to play football this fall. It's like as, as much as I think there might be some part of like the other four conferences that would like enjoy playing a college football season without yeah. the SEC, like, oh, SEC, you think you're so cool. Like, you know, we don't want bad stuff to happen for you, but sorry, but we're going on, right? Um, and there yes, is the numbers in Florida and pressure. South Carolina are worse right now and Arizona are worse right now. But numbers aren't great in Ohio right no, now. No, for sure. So that's, that's the, the thing. thing that has to we, – we keep we, – we sometimes look at it just in the extremes, like, oh, it's so bad those other places. I'm like, well, it's not like Ohio – they're not talking about Ohio the same way they're talking about, like, Korea right now where things are, like, back to zero or whatever. Like, it, it's still bad here. So I think that's the, the primary concern for a lot of these Big Ten schools. And, again, what's the – what do you gain? What do you lose? But there is peer pressure here. Again, I don't think there's peer pressure about like the Patriot League is the latest league to say they're not going to play. Again, I don't think there's peer pressure on what the Patriot League does. No, it's, but, only, it's only five conferences that matter when we're having this conversation. So. And so one, if one of them, just like the, you know, the Big Ten making the non-conference decision has to affect the thinking of the other four conferences. And we saw the Pac-12 has now said they're not going to have, conf- they're not going to have non-conference games. If one conference just said the heck with it, because, again, Nathan, to your point, just when you think, oh, it's only in this part of the country, then it, you know, it changes. You can't be throwing stones in your glass house and think like, well, our state's fine. We're perfect. Everybody else is screwing it up because as soon as you let your guard down, then the virus comes to your state uh, in, I mean, that, in more harsh terms. That's what happened. I mean, people in um, I think people maybe here got a little bit lax. I think people in other states who are getting slammed right now are the ones making fun of places like, you know, New York or whatever a couple months ago. And now maybe not so much. And I think the thing in the end, again, this is the this is the only sport where you can even have this kind of conversation because you can't have it in Major League Baseball or any professional sports in the NFL and the NBA, where if a team bagged it the rest of the league would go on. Like, that's just not how it works. This is the only sport where it's even possible. But I think what we're all agreeing on is, depending on the specifics, it would be possible that if one conference, maybe just because geographically they're just in a much harder hit situation or for whatever reason their school presidents, their their ADs are just more conservative about it, I do think the college football for good and for bad, has the window open of not everybody has to do the exact same thing. Question two, this is a complicated question, um, but it's basically around a single topic, which is the idea of playing in the spring. From the 586, why do most most sports writers say college spring football won't happen, citing that it's unrealistic to have players play two seasons in such a short time? And then this person sort of focuses on the idea of 
the college players who would be playing a college season in the spring and then would be in the NFL the next fall. Um, and, and so they're arguing against that. And they're saying, even if the best players, so Justin Fields as an example, so say Justin Fields said, well, I'm not going to play spring football because I'm going to get ready for the draft. And then you won't have that season of beating on you and you would be ready for the, for the next, for the 2021 NFL season. This person is saying, I'd rather watch C.J. Stroud or Jack Miller lead Ohio State in the spring, even without Justin Fields, rather than not go with, rather than go without football, right? So this is the person is saying, why are people against the idea of spring football? I would rather, as a fan, see Ohio State play in the spring, even with some stars missing, than have nothing at all. Because if you get to the idea of spring, and now this is me talking, if you get the idea of spring, it's, it's spring or nothing. Fall is out. Fall 20 is out. So it's, well, we're either going to play football in the spring of 21 or we're just going to have no season there at all. I disagree with the premise. The, the idea is not the guys who are going to play one college season and then have to play an NFL season in 21. It's just all the guys who would be playing two college seasons because college is worried about college players, but will be playing two college seasons in a calendar year. So that um, Zach Harrison would be playing his sophomore college football season in the spring of 21 and his junior college season in the fall of 21. That's the issue. That's the issue that Urban Meyer says is a deal breaker, that that is too much to ask of players. So that is where the texture's coming from, from, from the 586. Stephen, we'll just start with you. Just the idea of spring football, the idea of spring football, maybe even without the stars who are getting ready for the draft, do you think fans would be into that? Would that be better than nothing? Do you think the sport would be into that if it reaches that point? Is that better than nothing? Fans, yes. And I get it for those reasons. Okay, yeah, they're not going to get Justin Fields. We can start on the future right now. So, yes, when you're a fan, it's – I want football because I don't want the other option, which is nothing. But I don't think it's feasible for why we've already been saying. You want these guys to play from what would it be, March to let's just say May, and then turn around and have a fall camp start up in maybe September or October, and then they play another season. You just keep throwing everything back because you're playing basically two football seasons in a span of 14 months, which isn't a feasible thing to ask somebody to do, even if they were getting paid, and these guys don't even get paid. Nathan, what do you think of spring? Well, I think if any spring happens, they sh- people should be prepared for it to happen without the stars because um, I think that that just doesn't seem that realistic to me. I think you're going to find a lot of guys who will decide um, that w- w- you know what's, it, it's going to be better in their long-term interest to, to not stick around. Um, certainly, if, if it has happened, and I've obviously been on the record here that it, it won't, um, or I'm skeptical of it, but I, I think if it were to happen, it won't be a full college football season in the spring followed by a full college football season in the fall that I just don't possibly see how in the day of, in the age of extreme concern, I guess, relative to history over player safety and health, uh, mental and physical that you're going to put guys through that. It's just not going to happen. I, I, I think there's going to be an outcry against that sort of thing. What I could see happening is a truncated spring schedule, so that you can salvage some sort of revenue. And frankly, that I think that is what we're talking about more than anything, some sort of revenue to keep athletic departments afloat to some extent. 
and then come back in the fall with also probably some kind of truncated season. You might see you might see conferences like the Big Ten say they're not going to play non-conference games also in 2021 to you know to to stabilize things, but also not overload the players. I suppose there's also I, I guess I would throw this option out there too. <clears throat> you start the fall season, you play six games, and it gets interrupted by spikes, outbreaks, whatever. Would you any chance that they would come back? after the first of the year in the March or whatever and play four games to finish off a season. I suppose I leave that out there. I think they're going to have to be creative to figure out how to get this done at this point, because it's just not trending in the right direction as it is right now. I think that's one area where maybe the NCAA has maybe been a little bit too rigid in the past, um, just not being creative enough to come up with some solutions to things. And they might, if, if somebody can, I think it gives them a better chance to get something accomplished here. So by that idea, are we saying that the players that we know are probably not going to play in the spring because they're going pro just don't play at all? Because I could no, I could see them still playing in the fall. Um, I do think though. Have a, so basically, what you're saying is you'll have six games with Justin Fields, and then either Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud for four games, and basically the most important part of the season. Well, I mean, again, the competitive aspects of this are not the most important aspects. They're not at the top of the list. It's, I mean, people are going to lose jobs. People are going to lose college opportunities if they don't find a way to replace this revenue somehow. But the competitive balance does matter because I do think yeah. you, you reach a point where it's so diluted there's no point to it. And the point – there has to be a point for the players beyond making a couple million bucks on a Saturday because – why would you, if there's no championship to build toward, or if it's such a convoluted sort of fake asterisky championship, why would you even play? Like, why would why would a guy who's maybe not eligible to go to the draft yet, but has NFL aspirations, risk any of this because it's the COVID risk plus the general injury risk that's always there, but might be increased by the start and stop nature of a season. I think at some point there could be player power here where a school mm -hmm. might say, well, something is better than nothing. And players might say, well, no, it's not. Nothing is better than this. What is especially, the point of this? Especially for the sake of when you're because of money and they're not seeing any of that. So and the things we're talking about are somewhat, care. yeah, the things we're talking about are somewhat case by case basis too. I think there's certain players who will make that decision. There's certain ones who won't. I think you're probably right to be skeptical though, that I think in that case, you're going to have a lot of players who who will walk away, especially the ones who maybe have the most immediate opportunity in the NFL. Because if you're not playing for a championship, if you're really just out there on display, um, you've already done, you've already done the display. Like people know that Wyatt Davis and Justin Fields and uh, Sean Wade are, are NFL caliber players in the short term. They don't need to go out there and prove that. There would be no reason for them to go anywhere near a football field in the fall or the spring. And it's just the point. I mean, I, the idea. I know what you're saying, Nathan. Of like, you start a season in the fall. It just gets shut down because you can't do it, but could you complete it in the spring? But if you're Ohio State, what's the point of completing a season if Sean Wade, Wyatt Davis, and Justin Fields aren't playing? And, like, you haven't played the Michigan game yet, and we have some Michigan game, question, Michigan game questions we'll get to. You're going to play the Michigan game on, like, March 10th, but you're going to put out C.J. Miller and Matthew Jones at guard and – it's just um, a whole different season at that point. What's the point? But so that you can have in the record book, oh, yeah, Ohio State lost its winning streak against Michigan that time where they played in the spring and a season that was 
broken in yeah. half by four months and they were missing their five best players. Michigan's like going to lose players too. Not as good as Ohio State's players. Yeah. No, but it's in one of those case, things. Yeah. That, but, but like, what's the point? But if you're Ohio State, like, what, what are you trying to do? Other than a payday, but at some point, I think the fans would almost reject it. Not that you wouldn't watch it, right? But I, I think there is a point of no return of it's not worth it. And I think, I just think that lingers over the spring and the idea of, Let's have a college football season, but like the 50 best players in college football just aren't going to yeah. play. It, there's there there are diminishing returns on that for the programs, for the fans, for the players who are left to stick around and play, but you without really being com- their full team. Like, what's the point? You almost have two conversations about how the season's going to go. It's okay. How are these six games going to pan out? And then. Now come March, if that's when it starts, it's a so, whole. So I mean, nobody's season. planning. Nobody is planning a split season. It would only no. be if no, no, you no. start a season. I'm, I'm in the throwing fall it out. Yeah, this is end. just. Yeah, we're just throwing out. I mean, I, I was throwing that out there as just a, a an example of a creative way to to salvage something. But this is going to have to be again, some creativity. The players, because what won't work in the end, we all under understand the revenue point to this and that if there was no revenue they probably would have canceled it already just like the ivy league and the patriot league have done but you can't have it be so brazenly obvious that it's only about revenue yeah like oh well our eight best players aren't playing who cares oh well we're playing ohio state michigan in march good enough we need our four million bucks like there has to be at least a sliver of something more that you're playing for other than the payday you know, it's almost like scab football, and it's not, right? But it's like the NFL goes on strike. You get a bunch of guys off the street in whatever year it was, and you put them in the uniforms, and you're like, look, that's our NFL team. And it's like, no, it's not. But they did it just to have some kind of revenue. They did it, and it was fake. And obviously, this is not the same as that. But if you put the Ohio State Buckeyes on the field without their seven best players, and it's like, can they do it? Can they avenge, you know, the loss to Clemson last year? And it's like, well – I don't know. It's not the real Buckeyes. At some point, there are diminishing returns. And so at some point, to me, would you guys agree with this? At some point, it is no longer true that something is better than nothing. At some point, you might just be better off saying nothing. We're just our absolutely prioritized health. We'll take the money hit. But the only something that we could do is so diluted, nothing is actually better. Could you reach that point? You can. Yeah. At some point, it just becomes you trying too hard to push something that's clearly not going to happen. I think that'll be the societal stance, too. I think you'll see that from from fans. And I think you'll probably see that again from the people who make the decisions at universities. Like, why are why are we keeping why are we keep walking up to the flame um, of of this being an even bigger problem and coming up with just convoluted ways to get it done that at some point it will be make more sense to just shut it down regardless of what that's going to mean in terms of the financial repercussions question three from the 614 which of the obvious departures other than justin fields would hurt the most if they set out so again this is what we're talking about whether it would be a, a, a truncated fall season a season moved to the spring if there were Ohio State players who, in, in deciding to get ready for the NFL draft or in deciding not wanting to risk the health, uh, their safety, the health of their family, just decided, like, I'm just not going to play. Um, and, again, we all think that, you know, the guys who are would, next, would be able to go into the 2021 NFL draft and would be high picks would be the guys who would most be most likely to do that. Other than Justin Fields, 
if guys did that, who would hurt the most? Who would hurt the most if they weren't playing for Ohio State this year? Steven, we'll start with you. I couldn't pick between Sean Wade or Wyatt Davis, and here's the reason why. I mean, we know with Sean Wade, it's a big drop-off between what he is and everybody else in that secondary room right now. But also with Wyatt Davis, we, who's, the, who's the starting right guy? Who's his, who's his backup right now? Can we say for sure who it is? Ryan Jacoby, but they'd probably move, like, Gavin Cup or Matthew yeah. Jones over there too. But, yeah, exactly. But, but, yeah, but it, that's the point. We had to discuss it. And then that drop-off might be even bigger than what it is for Sean Wade and a Seven Banks or a Cam Brown or anybody else in that room. And that's that completely, you know, that, that's a whole side of your offensive line now where you're talking about one guy who's going to be a first-year starter, maybe a true freshman, and either Paris Johnson or Nicholas petit Frere, and then another guy where it's a major drop-off now on your whole entire right side of your offensive line. So maybe I just convinced myself it's Wyatt Davis over Sean Wade, but, I mean, that's my answer. It's, it's one of those two. Nathan. I'm going with Wade. Um, I think they would find enough other options on the offensive line. It would obviously be a drop-off from whoever that they went to behind Wyatt Davis. But if Harry Miller, Harry Miller is as good as we think he is, then he should be able to step in right away and solidify that other guard spot. And then you've got other people that I think they would figure something out. Obviously, it would be a drop-off. Um, but with the questions that I already have about this secondary the the drop off from Wade to whoever is now fourth on the list at cornerback right now could be cataclysmic. No, in I relation agree. in relation to football, uh, I I probably would. Leave. I have I, I just link Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers so much right now. I mean they're in the same recruiting class. They've been on similar paths. Wyatt Davis obviously has been an All American already, but. Um, and it's not a guarantee they would do the exact same thing. But to me, if you lost, if both those guys just said we're done and we talked about in the offensive line preview, like the Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, super highway, I think that would hurt. Um, and believing that they probably have a run game where they could use a super highway and they maybe don't have a guy who's going to get yards on his own as much. And uh, I just think you're expecting the combination of those two to be so good on the interior of the offensive line. And that's such a strength for them. If the holes aren't there for the running backs, if all of a sudden you're getting constant pressure on Justin Fields or whoever the quarterback is, and again, I'm assuming if, if there's no – if Wyatt Davis and Josh Byers aren't playing, Justin Fields certainly isn't playing. You know, now all of a sudden you have a young quarterback. I just think it would be that offensive line that there's just such – we have such high expectations about how good they can be and how that's something that's just going to make every other part of the offense work. As good as Sean Wade is – you know, sometimes sometimes you don't throw at Sean Wade, right? But if you don't believe, if you have some young guys or inexperienced guys on the interior of offensive line, that's possible that that kind of might mess you up every play. Has the, has the chance to mess you up every play. And then all of a sudden the run game is bogging down and all of a sudden you're in third and long and all of a sudden your offense isn't what you thought it would be because Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis aren't there blowing open holes. I think the the fact that sometimes people don't throw at Sean Wade is still more of a, a vote in my favor or my picks favor, just because a guy who can take away half the field on defense no, from a defense I, that maybe is already vulnerable. Now that's not what I meant. I just meant that like you don't. Sean Wade is not. No cornerback is involved in every play because sometimes mm -hmm. you run and the cornerback's not really involved. Well, and sometimes you throw a screen. Good. If your line's not good, you can't run offense. Yeah, that's what I mean. Just that, you know, again, I, I agree with what you're saying, Nathan, that the, the presence of Sean Wade, even when they don't throw at him, does matter. 
but sometimes there's just a play call that's a quick slant the other direction. You know, you don't if you have a one bad corner, you don't throw at him every single play every game. Although if you do throw at him, you might give up an 80-yard touchdown. So, I mean, the point is they have multiple guys. Justin Fields will be first on that list, but then they have multiple guys. The, the texter mentioned Chris Olave. We didn't go into Chris Olave. I mean, it's like there's behind behind maybe the best player in college football who's their quarterback. You have another two, three, four, five guys stacked up that would be like, wow. It's certainly, if we reach that point, it might make sense for them to sit out. And wow, would that change Ohio State football incredibly for the 2020 season. Next double question from the 585. Assuming some sort of a season does happen, do we see starters play longer into blowouts with a modified schedule? Or do we see even less of the starters in blowouts to save injuries and account for the different preparation cycles. Um, impossible to know. Part of me thinks that you might have to play starters more because are you going to have all your backups there all the time that you just might have fewer numbers, right? That if you're assuming that maybe each week there's a couple guys who might be out, are you just lower on numbers? But Nathan, do you think we'd see any change related to the uncertainty of the season in how long the best players would actually play. Boy, um, I, I've been thinking about this, and I just it, it's very difficult without knowing exactly what the season's going to look like. I think you're going to see the way that they're trying to set it up. You could even see more like off weeks and stuff built into it. So I could, I guess, I could see it because you just don't know how many games you're going to play. You don't know how much you're going to get to play from week to week. Every game could be then followed by the next week a flare up and everything shuts down again, or you have to shut down again, just your team. So um, I, I could definitely see it, but I think it, it may also be a, a thing where it's a case by case basis, right? As it already is. There's going to be a different policy about how much um, um, Harry Miller might play in that circumstance than there would be for Thayer Munford, for instance. Steven, do you have strong views either way? I want to say yes, just because I'm in a situation like this where things can a flare up happens and you have to shut some things down. It's reps that you know and can guarantee you're going to be there. And you know, football is all about more. The more reps you get, the better you're at it. The better you are at it. So, I want to lean yes, but I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say yeah. Yes, what? Yes, that the starters yeah, will play may, longer. Maybe they'll play a little bit longer. Yeah, just because I mean, those are extra reps in a situation where you miss the spring practice and. Things can happen. Those, that's a guaranteed rep you can get your starters. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think in general, the only way that I think this could work is so is that if once you get through the week, once you get through the testing, if you when you get to kickoff on a Saturday for that three and a half hours, if you can't operate pretty much as you normally would, and understanding that. Maybe coaches on the sidelines are wearing masks, or maybe they limit the number of they they lessen the number of people on the sidelines, or they do take knowing that. But if you have to change the football, then it's probably not worth playing, right? That if you have all these different considerations of, well, now we're going to drastically change how we call the game as coaches, how we play the game as players, how we manage the game with roster stuff. Then, then, like, what are you doing? So it's like, well, if you're trying to think to yourself, well, should we take this guy out in the third quarter or not? Well, 
We have to think about what the COVID testing might next week might be. And we have to think about, well, what if that game's postponed or not? You've got to be able to have that three and a half hour period of somewhat normalcy or like, what are you doing? So like on one hand, I just don't think it would have an effect. And if it does have an effect, then they, to me, then you, you probably shouldn't be playing because what's the point? So, um, which actually sort of leads us into the question I want to do. But before we do, this person from the 585 had a second question, which is, what is the best taco protein? Stephen, when you eat a taco, do you want the ground beef? Do you want steak? Do you want chicken? Do you want carnitas? What do you want as your taco protein? Hard taco, I want beef, ground beef. Soft taco, I want chicken. I can respect that. And I, I understand the pairing of the shell with the meat. Yep. I mean, I do think when you're creating the taco, every aspect of the taco influences every other aspect of the taco. So a differentiation between soft shell and hard shell, I think, is a sophisticated taco protein take. Steve, do you eat the shell or do you leave it behind like the crust? <laughs> That's just nasty. I, that was uncalled for. It was. <laughs> Come on. He just dumps the meat in his yeah. mouth and then is like, I ate a taco. It's like your shells on the, no, no, that's, he eats the shell. Nathan, you're, you, this was, I think you contributed to the asking this question because you, when you sent out the call out to tech subscribers, you added the fact that you were about to go eat tacos. Um, so what was your protein? Last night it was ground beef. Um, that's what we make at home probably the most. And I, I, I agree with Steven. I think that might be the, the best choice for a hard taco. It just like, it fits so well for hard shell tacos. Um, the one that's the most versatile and the one that I, that could go either way the best. And the one that I actually like the most is barbacoa. Like if I'm going to a Moe's or a Chipotle or one of those places, I get barbacoa. I like the spicy shredded beef. So, and I think that works well, hard shell or soft shell. Uh, I will say that I feel like the pork always is there. Like I always think to myself, I'm going to get pork, and then I never do. And I should. I think I like the carnitas tacos. I like carnitas burritos, but like I don't get them that much. I think almost every situation where you might go beef, I think you can go chicken, and it's better. So like I like chicken like with pasta and stuff too. Like I think that's – I prefer that to like a meatball, but I can, so in tacos, I really do prefer uh, a chicken base almost all the time, like a chicken with a nice spicy sauce on it. And you get the salsa going in there. I am, uh, I enjoy, I enjoy chickens. And there was on my little sort of lake vacation last week that was just average. It was fine. But there was a chicken in the yard one day. And I would have thought that would have been a very bold vacation move for me to make would be to go out. I don't know why it was there. We think there was a storm and maybe a, a chicken blew in from someone else's yard, but it was literally in the bushes next to the house. And it was like a normal house. It wasn't like a farmhouse. Um, for me to have grabbed that chicken, brought it inside and like, you know, cut off its head and then cooked it. Um, I would never do that. I'm not even going to, I won't even take a fish off a hook. I'm not going to murder a chicken, but I do enjoy eating them. Um, Question five. I think this will be a short answer. From the 509, is there any possibility Justin Fields stays another year if the 2020 season gets canceled? Would he risk a big payday to try and win a national championship from the 509, Stephen? No. Nathan? That's simple. No. I think if we were talking about a player who was an OSU recruit, 
or originally an OSU recruit, you know what I mean? Or an Ohio kid and he had like a real emotional attachment. Not that Justin Fields has none to his teammates, to the school, whatever, but somebody who had something deeper than that going back generations or whatever. I could, I could see him trying to, to do it for love of the school, for tradition, whatever, but I, I don't see any reason for him to, to put himself through that with what It'd he has be, on the Even horizon. with that, it would still be a no. Hard yeah, no. I mean, I think even with the Probably. scenario you described, Nathan, it's still like maybe a 10% chance, but with the situation Fields is in, who said it was a business decision from the moment he got here, it's a 0% chance. Let, exactly. Let's ask Denzel, Ward, Denzel Ward had an Ohio connection. He's from Nodornia and everything else. He still sat out the bowl game. So in this situation, it's definitely a no. Well, but I mean, Mike Doss came different... back. Like, Mike Doss came back, right? I mean, every now and then guys I mean, come back. James Laurinaitis and, and Malcolm yeah. Jenkins and – Alex Boone and Brian Robeski all came back when they could have gone. Like it's not, but those guys not zero consensus, but. like top 10 draft picks either though. I mean, I but also sitting on a bowl game is different after you've played a whole season. It's different than sitting out an entire season, especially for Justin Fields. Who's only played one season as a starter in college football. But I, I I'm just saying, I, I agree that he would also, I agree. He would not stay. I would also ask a question too. Is there any argument? So if, if let's say he let's say he would let's say he would come back and play the 2021 season, is there any argument that that's actually not in the best long-term interests of Ohio State football? Because you want no. to establish someone else for 2021 no. and get their career started. No. Yeah. No. no. What if it means him? you ultimately end up losing two of the three between McCord, Stroud, and Miller no. because of transfer? No. Yeah, but that's the game of the quarterbacks no. now. You take that chance. You you take the best guy, best option available. So yeah, I agree. But I'm I'm I want us to have that discussion. Um, all right. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back and and I think Ari and Bill talked about this on their podcast. I didn't have a chance to listen to it yet. I'm curious if it's the same question, same person asking the question of them and asking it of us. I don't know how they got to it, but I know it how they had it in the headline. What if you played Ohio State, Michigan early in the season to try to guarantee that you got it in? We're going to talk about that. And we're just going to talk about how we feel like we're supposed to talk about all the stuff that is happening right now. We want to reset with our people here on Buckeye Talk. We appreciate you guys listening. We'll be right back after this. All right, two more questions ahead on this Rapid Fire Tuesday Buckeye Talk. Again, if you want to be part of it, if you want to ask questions, 614-350-3315. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. We certainly appreciate everybody who does that. So I am struggling a little bit with the way things are unfolding um, because there continues to be things that are happening that I think a general growing pessimism about a season. And as we record this on Monday afternoon for our Tuesday podcast, To me, it's even hard to like, it's like, well, what if you say something now and by the time someone listens to this, when it goes up on Tuesday morning, something may have changed because things are changing so rapidly. Um, Pete Thamel, again, who's one of the best college football writers out there, had a big story that he released on Monday afternoon on Yahoo, just talking to multiple anonymous head power five head coaches, power five ADs, just saying like, it's, there's not going to be a season that there's growing pessimism that if that it's just not going to happen, maybe there'll be a spring, but there's not going to be college football in the fall. But Jamie Pollard, the Iowa state AD and Ralph Russo, the associated press college football writer pointed out that Jamie Pollard has been as good sort of about communicating what's going on as any AD out there. And he sent a big letter on, on Iowa state's website. That was all about 
There are challenges, but we haven't given up yet. The money is a super important part of that. We admit to it. It's a health and safety question first, but it's not only a health and safety question. There is a balance that we are striving to achieve, but we have not bagged the idea of a fall because that money is so important to everything we do as an athletic, as an athletic department and everything that happens in our college town. So no, we are not at that point. Um, it doesn't mean that Jimmy Pollard won't get there, but he's saying, no, 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 we're not there now at all. I feel like in the tech subscription and on this podcast, we've done a pretty good job so far of like, listen, we're not going to speculate. We're not going to dance in the maybes. We're going to enjoy talking about football. We're going to have fun. We're going to provide a distraction if that's a real thing, but we're not going to bog down in reality when it's just question mark, question mark, question mark. But to me, it does feel a little bit more difficult to do that because there will be moments on this podcast where we still just talk about how good is the Ohio State's defensive line going to be. But you don't want to be blind to what's going on. So, Nathan, just I'm having a little more trouble. I saw someone said about our Monday podcast that it kind of seemed like we were all over the place a little bit. And I thought sure. we struggled with it on the Monday podcast, trying to – we're yeah. trying to say, well, when is Ryan Day going to lose a game, except we don't know when the games are going to be played or if they're going to be played. Is it? Are you struggling with this at the moment, Nathan, of like what we're supposed to talk about, write about, and how we should be dealing with our loyal audience right now as this is happening? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I agree with them. I think it probably was a little bit all over the place. I think that's probably happening in a lot of these conversations, whether it's our podcast or not. And I think we're trying to do our best to – to give people the right perspective, it's just very hard for anybody to kind of to 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 pen that perspective down because I think so many things are still on the table right now. Um, I would say as recently as a few weeks ago, I would have said everything is still on the table from 12 games to zero games. Well, now 12 games isn't on the table, but still a pretty substantial season supposedly is still on the table, and so is zero games. So I, I don't. It, it's it's hard to like triangulate exactly what we're going to land on this fall. And it's, it's tough for us. Like I'm the one who comes up with the market down Monday questions. I think I'm pretty much abandoning anything that asks us to predict anything resembling a statistical outcome for 2020 until we know exactly what they're going to do with the season. And even then that's only what they're going to try to do with the season. It's not going to be what might actually end up happening. So those, all of those topics seem to be very confused. It's, you know, we, we write these Buckeye takes every morning. We were trying to give people like some perspective on, an, an angle that's out there, you know, something urgent, there's something very comp current that's happening in college football in general, or I suppose college basketball too sometimes. And that's really tough to do right now in, in, in terms of anything that isn't complete talking about the impact of COVID-19 in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the, it's this cloud that's sort of just draping now over the entire sport. And until there's, some beginning of a resolution to that. I think it, we're going to keep talking about things in somewhat of a confused way because it's very confusing. Everything has a has a caveat to it. Basically, you have to say it yeah. within the context of what you know in that moment, and that might not even exist a week later. We did a whole market down Monday on the idea of two wide receivers getting a thousand yards in a season. It's probably out the window at this point. It was a good discussion, but now with only conference games, which might only be ten games, that's probably not possible. I still do think that 
you want to get away from it. I don't want to talk about it all the time, and I don't want to yeah. write about it all the time. Yeah. And I don't want to only roll around in the mud of pessimism and it's going to be the season's dead, the season's dead. And I don't, I don't like the implication that like anybody who's still talking about a season is like silly for doing so. Because I've always said some of the best part of sports, I think the best part of sports is anticipating it. And so until they say there's no season, I think it's still okay to anticipate it. But again, we don't want to do it with blinders on. So I think you guys listening to this out there might be struggling with this a little bit, but also you're dealing with COVID-19 in your everyday life. This is supposed to be fun. You're on your jog right now. You're on your walk. You're in your car. And it's like, duh, guys, duh. We know the virus is out there. Why do we have to get bogged down in it? So we don't want to get bogged down in it, but we don't want to live in fairy tale land. So we'll continue to try to walk that line. We promise you we will still have moments where we just don't talk about COVID-19 and we just talk about football. And again, I've been saving from now, you know, the last week or so, 10 days, anything that's big picture stuff, I'm thinking about what are we going to write and talk about if there's no football this fall? I'm, I'm planning for that. And we're going to do it. And we can do it. I have no doubt that we can. And we can make it fun and we can make it interesting because there will be football again. And on some level, you'll have time to sort of do some things that like you normally don't have time to do. And there, there'll be some freedom in that. But we will find a way to make it fun. I think this is almost the toughest time because we're really getting down to crunch time on what's up. And yet there are no answers. And so once they decide, yep, we're playing or nope, we're not playing, then we'll have a direction a little bit. But if, we, if you think we feel a little directionless at the moment, we apologize if we're keeping that on to you as a college football fan. I imagine you already feel it on your own. You don't need help from us to feel that way, but that's where we are. We're going to try to walk that line. Podcasts should be interesting. And sometimes serious stuff is interesting, but also I think there are times when podcasts should be an escape and we'll, so we'll keep trying to do that, but we're acknowledging that it's getting a little more difficult in the last couple of days and it's probably going to stay this way for the next couple of weeks. All right, question six, and this is as serious as it gets. And again, we're not going to be glib about this. I think it's worth addressing in the most serious tones and while keeping our fingers crossed and keeping our prayers that it doesn't happen. From the 650, I've had a really horrifying question that makes my brain spin. Maybe not even something you want to talk about on the pod because it's dark. What would happen to the future of college football if a high-profile athlete were to die from COVID-19? I've been thinking of this mostly from the perspective that athletes will be fine and recover if they get sick, but that's not going to be the case for everyone. If a high-profile athlete were to die, I think it might crush the sport. A dark but not impossible thought for you guys from the 650. Um, so I did a tiny little bit of research on this, and I think some people – listen, this is a Google search. I'm not pretending to be an expert on this. But there was a time in the early 1900s when there were college football players that were dying because the game was so brutal. And Teddy Roosevelt, as president, was a college football fan, and he con convened some of the biggest coaches in the game, and they talked about what was going on. Um, they didn't get to helmets for another couple decades, so it didn't lead to that. But that did lead to the creation of the forward pass, which opened up the game to some degree um, and changed the game. I mean, to some degree, when I talk about it, it changed football. It made football what it is. It took it from basically rugby into the game that we now know and love. 
So they, they saw that this game, there's something wrong here, and they made a change. And it's because the worst was happening. If the worst happened, and I think, unfortunately, the person from the 650 makes a good point, it would be different if it's a high-profile college football player versus an under-the-radar college football player. But we saw, unfortunately, we, it's not like we haven't seen deaths of college football players, as tragic as they are, with um, Jordan McNair at the University of Maryland. You know, you hope that it spurs in a workout. He died in a workout, and it, the result was DJ Durkin, the Maryland head coach, lost his job. But you hope it spurs change, right? I do think if the worst of the worst happened this college football season and that certainly that would be viewed as why did they do this? Why did they play? Why did they get these players, put these players at risk? What was the point? Um, I don't think it would crush college football, but I think it would completely alter it. And I think um, somebody would swoop in and we would have the professionalism of college football and college football players would say, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. Like this in this yeah. setup with no representation. Yeah. I you think know, it would end the pretense of amateurism. Yes. Yeah. The, a union would be formed almost. And, and there's a difference like between money and representation. And there's a difference between professionalism and complete fraud amateurism, right? So I don't know that it would mean that overnight college football becomes just a minor league and it's separated from the schools and everybody gets paid like they're a pro, but you just couldn't live in a world. And I don't think the players would allow it. And there have been just a couple rumblings on Twitter. And again, I follow this stuff. Ramogi Huma, who I've talked to many times over the years and is the leader of the National College Players Association and who pushes for this has been behind the union push for years that he would make an even greater push. There are some, I think some rumblings from maybe some NFL players now looking down to the college level. They were once part of that saying, all right, now I'm a pro. I am professionalized. I am represented. What can I do to help college players get that? I think you'd go there because I just think too many college players would say, I'm not doing this. And from tragedy in a lot of ways, I mean, that's sometimes it, that's what it takes for real change to happen. Um, we see that in society all the time. So hopefully college sports can change without that. But I don't know that any one of us would disagree that there would be a fundamental shifting of the power structure in the sport because I just don't think players would go along with it anymore. I don't think I could be wrong. I don't hear a lot of players out there, especially now that name, image, and likeness uh, compensation has come along. I don't necessarily hear a lot of players out there demanding a salary. Um, I think there's a lot of them who, while they – would like the opportunity for the name image of likeness to have some kind of income stream to avoid things like what happened with Chase Young. If you want to say that that was something that someone else needed to help him avoid. But I, I, once you have that, I don't think they worry about like having some salary from the university. But what I do think is out is a growing concern is in situations like this, in situations where you have a global pandemic, you know, I asked Ohio state when they were talking about returning to, to classes and the Buckeye pledge and all that stuff, I'm sorry, returning to workouts. Um, did the players have a voice in constructing what the Buckeye pledge looks like? Were they, did they have input into what this document looks like? And the answer I think was, you know, well, you know, we have conversation with them. We listen, but they weren't like at the table writing it out. And I think that's where the next step is going to come. I think if, if you, if a situation like that certainly were to unfold where you had someone lose their life, I think there would be a, a real movement to say that if we're, 
if the players themselves aren't directly involved, then there needs to be a way to give them a direct advocate who is then involved. I don't, I don't, I don't, and I don't really know what the pushback is against that being a very fair thing to request, even now before you get to that point. And I don't think it would be overnight because very little happens overnight. I don't think it would mean that college football would shut down until it happened, but I think it would amplify the push for that to a great, great degree and would eventually lead us to that point. And people would look back at that tragedy and say, that's, that's kind of what got us uh, to that point. So, I mean, it just, my God, it just turns your stomach to, to even consider it, but we can't go into this situation if they try to play in the midst of this, you can't go into this and be blind to that possibility. Because again, that's the possibility that's out there in the world. Um, but certainly trying to play football will, whatever percent, right? It will increase the chances of, of something terrible happening to a college football player. Nobody's 100% safe in their house. But if you're out having practice, um, interacting, being around other people to that degree, I mean, it's just, it's just going to increase the chances. So it is dark, but you can't ignore that, um, that question as we think about what's ahead. All right, last one. Ohio State, Michigan. Two people asked about this. From the 216, the game is already not going to follow tradition with no fans in the stands. How about we say screw tradition for this year and make it a night game at the end of September? It should be great weather, and even without fans, the atmosphere of the game would be better under the lights, and then we have the flexibility to reschedule the game later in the year if there is a resurgence of COVID-19, that you can schedule it early. Then if you have to reschedule it, you have time to adapt, as opposed to if you just have it the last weekend of the year, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. And then from the 803, if they rearrange the Big Ten schedule, would you be in favor of seeing Michigan and Ohio State play week one? It would make sure the game gets played in case they have to cancel later on, Personally, I'd rather have it at the very end or not at all. That game is a culmination of a year's worth of building and cohesion. A sloppy week one loss to Michigan would be a disgrace to the rivalry. That's Bake of the 803. Steven, would you be in favor of playing Ohio State-Michigan early in the year to try to make sure you get it in? No, and he just took the words out of my mouth for why. Yeah. That game is supposed – those teams, when both teams are clicking on all soldiers, that's part of what makes that rivalry fun is they've had 11 games to, to figure it out, and by then they're both po- hopefully playing the best football of the season, and it's the Saturday right after Thanksgiving at noon. That's when that game should be played. I understand why people – for the sake of wanting it to be played, why some people will want it earlier, but no. That's – rivalry game should not be played in week one of a college football season. Nathan. I think they should schedule it for earlier. I think you should do everything you can to try to get that game in. If that's the only game you can get in, then because we don't know. Again, it goes back to all that uncertainty. I think there's going to be some stops and starts if they're even able to start having college football this fall. And I I don't really see under these circumstances, it's a completely different world. Um, I don't think for one year, if you look at it and say, they have to move the game to earlier in the year to try to ensure that they get to play the game at all. I don't see that as some kind of a travesty. I know that it's a departure from tradition, but everything that's going to happen this fall is a departure from tradition. So I don't really feel any reason to hold on to that one more than any other one. Um, And I, who knows, like there might have to end up shuffling things around to the point where 
teams might play more than once this fall. I don't know. I'm, I think anything is on the table right now. And certainly two teams that are this closely located um, with this much at stake. I mean, could they play a home and home in 2020 to, to get an extra game in? Like I, I don't dismiss that. Um, so I don't see the, the harm in pulling it up early in the season to try to get it in. So that's just you spitball it. Nobody has suggested playing. No, no, no. Again, I'm just yeah. again, I'm just trying to be. I'm trying to be he's the throwing, guy who's who's he's throwing all the ideas out here today. Yeah. yeah. So I think I would land on what I sort of said earlier. I think I'd rather see no Ohio State Michigan game than a completely diluted Ohio State Michigan game. Agreed. And if you leave Wait, it where just it is, moving it makes it diluted. Well, I think the person makes the point of it, um, if it's early off like a weird preseason when I, I'm assuming that stuff early is going to be a little weird just because the preparation is going to be so weird for the season, right? And I think if you keep it at the end of the year, that means either things have gone well enough that by the end of the year, you're still always open to the idea, whether it's week one or week 12 or week 10, there's a possibility that people, important players, could miss the game because of positive tests. That's just going to be a part of this season. But if you get, if you keep it last, if you get there, that means you've gotten there. And that means that things didn't completely fall apart. Because if things completely fall apart, they'll stop. So to me, the idea of either it's not played because the season crashes and burns before the end of November, or it is played and it's, you know what, it's the best we could do, I think is preferable to like Ohio State, Michigan on se- September 28th, because that's just not what that is. And I do think for that game, especially, I'd rather have nothing than something that is just not at all what that game is about. So I'm almost curious. I It sounds like a poll. Well, it will be. Now that I've figured out surveys, I'll do that survey for our tech subscribers. Would you rather play Ohio State, Michigan early or keep it at the end of the year and risk playing it not at all? So, um, Nathan, you're, it seems like you're saying what, what would be, you know, on, on September 28th or October 10th or whatever, you probably have a better chance to have like a, a normal competitive game before everything goes haywire. Wouldn't that be better? Why would you be against that? Because you got in Ohio State, Michigan. Well, yeah, I think that's why you could argue that playing it, moving it to the first week of the schedule, it makes the most sense because then both teams get the same trajectory to build towards that game. You would hopefully everybody would be able to keep as much of their roster as unexposed and as healthy as possible going into that game. Although, as you say, that's going to be a week to week thing that everybody has to deal with. I think there's also something to be said for if you do that throughout the big 10 or even throughout the country, like, like pull some of your rivalry games back to week one, because again, you don't know if there's going to be a week two, then I think that gives you a chance to like have kind of an event weekend that first weekend and like here like the biggest games in the country you have them like all over the country um huge games you can spread them out you can have some sort of creative scheduling with the the uh the tv networks like have that be a big event that brings this country back to sports in a way um because we don't know yet if some of these other sports are going to get to play either so I, i just think there's again i think the positives outweigh the negatives and the only negative really being this sort of um this sense of the tradition the whatever and I, I'm not saying that that has no value. I think it's great that that game 
sits where it does each year and with the meaning that it has at that point of the schedule. But too much other stuff has already gone haywire to really have that be a big priority right now. That feels like the bastardization of the game. Mm-hmm. I would be in favor of like doing that with Ohio State Penn State, or I'd be in favor of doing that with like almost anything other than Ohio State Michigan. Like front load the good games. Like, you know, if we don't, although as we said before, it's like, well, there's no good Rutgers games, but Rutgers still has to play. So it's like someone has to play Rutgers if you're, you know, I get that. Um, but I, I would agree with, hey, let's have a great opening kickoff weekend and make the best games possible for the opening kickoff weekend. But Ohio State, Michigan's the last week of the year. I just think it's non-negotiable to me. And I didn't grow up an Ohio State fan. I'm not saying that's the only opinion. I'm not saying there aren't people who share your opinion, Nathan. But to me, having been around this, when Dave Brandon proposed the idea of like, maybe we could move that game off the last weekend when they were doing Legends and Leaders and Gene Smith was like, no, we can't, can't do that. Part of me with Ohio State, Michigan, one of the, maybe the defining characteristic of that game is that it's on the last weekend of the regular season. And I know that that that's true for a lot, for a lot of rivalries, but I think it's true for this one more than any other. But again, in that situation, you're talking about a, a permanent move off of that weekend, whereas here we're talking about a one shot. And I don't think it would create a precedent where you would then change it for just frivolous reasons in the future. No, I agree. But then then you look back and, and you say, oh, what was the deal with that 2020 game? They played it in yeah. September? And I would just rather say they didn't play it. So. I think you would say, yeah, they played it in September because they didn't know if they'd get to play it at all. I, I don't think I think that makes the I think that honors the tradition of the game in a way just as much as trying to squeeze it into a, a week where you don't know what's going to happen. If if Ohio State plays like a four game season, I would rather that they don't play Michigan at all rather than yeah. be that they played a jacked up season, but they got the Michigan game in. I would just rather be like, remember that year Ohio State played Iowa, Rutgers, Maryland and Michigan State. And that was it. It was like, yeah, that season was jacked up, man. And I always feel like it would sully the Michigan game. <laughs> like, I don't I, – I, the idea of, like, they play one game – I know everybody always says if you could win one game, you'd some Ohio State fans think they'd rather go 1-11 and 11 and beat Michigan than 11-1 and, and, and lose to Michigan. I guess the question is, if you had a one-game season, would you want it to be the Michigan game? Or would you rather it just be, nope, there was no Michigan game that year? I think you'd want it to be the Michigan game. I think you'd want to say at least in this completely screwed up season where they tried to play one week and the whole thing fell apart with tests or whatever, and they decided to shut it down. At least you got to have the the biggest game of the season. You still got to keep the tradition going to have Ohio State Michigan extend another year, and you still get to have the bragging rights for another year. You still get to have the the rivalry and the jawing back and forth for another year. I, and and everybody who is in that program got to play another one of those games in that rivalry. Those games mean a lot to the guys who actually play the football games. They 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 take a lot of pride in however many gold pants they end up with. Um, I think finding a way to play that game again, it just honors the legacy of the tradition more than kind of crossing your fingers and hoping you get to play it later. That's a compelling argument. That's a compelling argument. I imagine there are a lot of people who are agreeing with you, Nathan. Uh, I don't, but that is a, that is a compelling argument. Steven, you're still on the side of more with what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm on the side. I'd rather 
that be the last game of the year than to try to push it up and just for the sake of playing it. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, we'll send our tech subscribers a survey and see what they think, and then we'll report the results of that. Um, All right, Wednesday, anatomy of an Ohio State upset plus the Illinois preview. Nathan, have you lined up uh, the Illinois sports writer guest yet? I am efforting that. So we'll, we'll plan to have a, a full preview. That's, that's, again, the schedule as it stood when we started this. Um, we're on to week 11 and Illinois. It's not week 11 anymore, but it's, we have two more left. So we're doing Illinois, and then next week we will have Michigan. So we will preview Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, we're going to do a recruiting, pro, uh, recruiting podcast on the class of 22. That's planned for the end of this week. We'll drop another position group preview in there, and we'll just keep trying to do the best we can. It's a little jacked up everywhere right now, um, but uh, we still like doing this podcast. Of course we do. We love you guys listening to it, and we're going to be here, and we're going to figure it out together the best we can. And no matter what happens, we have a plan, and we'll continue to have a plan to talk about Ohio State football, the program, um, in an interesting, compelling way, and we'll just keep our fingers crossed. And everybody, in the meantime, uh, stay healthy, stay safe, And thanks so much for being part uh, of this latest Buckeye Talk. So for Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.